This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Joining us is is one of his seeds that he dropped on us, attorney and COO of the Center for Heirs Property Preservation. Let me welcome to the show for the first time, Josh Walden. Hi. Hello. Thank you for uh, having us. Uh, We're excited to be on. Listen, um, last time I think Don was on, he talked about this Heirs Property Preservation, and I was like, what is this? What is it? I didn't didn't know it existed. I know that a lot of people they they have property left to them, or there's property in the family that they somehow lose for a number of different reasons. So tell us just really quickly, Josh, what is the purpose of your five hundred one c three organization? Certainly, um, yeah. The, the primary focus is to uh, protect and preserve family land and, and uh, resolve heirs' property title, and, and also to uh, to uh, assist families with land retention, uh, assist families from uh, losing land to predatory development, uh, internal dynamics that can lead to uh, land loss, uh, things ranging from tax sales to forced partition sales. And also we have uh, obviously a public education component about dispelling some of the myths and and talking about estate planning and succession planning, uh, as well as a land utilization component to our work. We have a uh, a forestry component uh, in this in this state, there is a uh, the uh, the forestry industry uh, is is a billion plus dollar a year industry in South Carolina. And a lot of our folks live in rural South Carolina, and, and very often, whether they have heirs property or not, uh, what we found is African Americans have historically been left out of uh, out of uh, that industry left out of the, the programs available through USDA, uh, South Carolina NRCS EQIP program. So it's about creating creation of generational wealth on the usage side and the retention side. So uh, relatively unique organization, outreach component, attorneys and foresters under the same roof. Uh, as Hurricane Nicole, and I just want to wish uh, safety and prayers to everyone right now in the Southeast as uh, Hurricane Nicole made landfall in Florida, uh, just south of Vero Beach uh, this morning, and it's heading up the coast. And I know you're in the Charleston area, so some of that weather is coming your way. Uh, batten down the hatches and be safe. Um, I just what define what heirs property is. Sure. Um, heirs property in the sense that it's a form of ownership that locks the equity, locks the potential. And, and as a as a means to do what most people do with their property, heirs property is a lock on that. Uh, heirs property is just the status of there being uncertainty as to who the owners are. Uh, the best way to think about it, uh, in my opinion, is, is you think about the way property goes from one person to the next. And it usually goes one of two ways, either someone's selling it or giving it to someone and they're going to sign a deed and that deed is recorded in a clerk of in the register of deeds office in, in a particular county where the property is located and forever that passage of the property interest is of record you can go back to 1895 and find deeds right the other way property goes from one person to the other is when someone dies someone's generally going to inherit that property um, now there's also a record keeping mechanism involved with that transfer and it's 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 through the probate court the probate administration process. And generally speaking, uh, most people either pass with a will or they don't have a will. 
And what we tell folks is if you do not have a will, uh, you know, a document that basically states this is what I want to have happen to my property, land and otherwise, when I pass away and this is who I want to have it. Um, if you pass with a will, you have decided where it's going to go. That record keeping process still has to be accomplished by way of filing the will in the probate court and going through that legal process of creating the record again of who inherited by way of that will. Now, as in South Carolina, as is the case in most states, when you die without a will, there's a law on the books that says if someone dies without a will, this is who inherits. So either you have a will or the state from which, you, you know, where you live has written you a will. And there's a vast difference there, and it can lead to some really odd circumstances. But in either event, whether you don't have a will or do have a will, there has to be that estate administration to create that record of the transfer of ownership. So over the course of time, you should be able to track ownership from deed to deed to deed. Maybe this guy passed away owning the property. You should be able to go to the probate court records and find out who inherited from him, whether by will or intestacy, which is just the process of inheritance when there is no will. So that chain is, is solidified and you can track ownership from 1850 up to 2022. If the title is clean, clear, as they say, with heirs property, what happens is in that process, someone has acquired property. They have passed away normally without a will and no estate administration. Is There's never a record of who inherits, right? So if someone's looking at that property and they're trying to determine who the owners are, they can track the deeds up to the date of the individual who died owning the property. But beyond that, there is no public record of who owns the property. Although people inherit by operation of law automatically when someone dies under the law of a given state. Um, but Josh, how, how complicated yeah. is it for particularly black? And I'm gonna ask Don this actually, Don Calloway is here, Josh Walden, COO uh, of the Center for Heirs Property Preservation. For black folk, he went back to 1850. Uh, most of our ancestors were in bondage. If we had property in the South after enslavement, during Reconstruction, even during during Jim Crow, people just could roll up on your property the way they snatched Emmett Till out of his bed in the wee hours of the night and take your property. Like the laws weren't, and then or sometimes records got mysteriously burned, you know, because they were paper records back then. Don, how prevalent is it that black property was seized or stolen or, or absconded by uh, bad, bad actors. Oh, extraordinarily prevalent. I mean, if the, the raw numbers, which are hard to track, tell us that uh, um, African-Americans, black people, descendants of slaves owned approaching 20 million uh, acres as recently in American land, forest land, as recently as 1920. Today, that is around somewhere between two to three million acres that we know of. Right. So, um, I think that the major problem of land held in, in, in heirs property, which as Josh so properly pointed out, uh, means land held in unclear ownership status, it means that it's then vulnerable to loss. And it's vulnerable to loss in any number of different ways, uh, primarily involuntary loss. And a lot of that becomes taking, right? Taking by people who found a way to finagle you out of it to settle a debt, taken by people who knew that this land would be you couldn't keep up the taxes on it and eventually took it at a tax sale for pennies on the dollar uh taken by night riders who said you know leave here because this is ours um and so when you don't have that land uh because we didn't have the proper education because we don't have the resources to hire the professional services to secure this land when you don't have that land in clear possession 
uh, legally demonstrable possession, it becomes vulnerable to taking. And land is the only asset that they ain't making no more of. And so in taking that land, you lose, remove substantial amounts of wealth from black communities. I mean, look at most black folks. What do you have now? We don't have piles of cash. You got your home or you got your granddaddy's land, right? This is your source of family wealth. And to have that in an heir's property status where it is not clearly held in your possession, like you possess your watch or you possess your car once they're free and clear from the bank, uh, to have our most important assets not held in clear status is a fundamental threat to black land ownership and in many respects to black security uh, because we need to have our own land upon which we are physically safe. And so uh, Josh's organization in South Carolina is doing the Lord's work in educating us and protecting uh, acres of land, really from all poor people, but specifically uh, and acutely for African-Americans. But Josh, talk a little bit about this national network of state-based organizations that you are, uh, that the Center for Heirs Property Preservation is clearly a leader in, and talk about this national network, how it came to be, and what you all are doing as organizations to move this issue forward. Yes, um, well, the, uh, the SFLR, um, the, um, the that was an organ that was a, a coalition of folks that originally came out of a, a program through the U.S. Endowment in, in 2013 that started looking at land use and land utilization for African American uh, landowners. Our our uh, um, our our forestry program is for African American landowners uh, because it was begun as a way to to um, to basically make up for the fact that generation upon generation of African-American landowners, the long history with USDA is well established. And uh, the idea of, of, of creating special funding pools for African-American landowners for purposes of equip contracts, the Sustainable Forestry Land Retention Network, the SFLR is made up of ourselves uh, and several organizations uh, across the, the, the Southeast. Um, the, the idea was all these organizations focus primarily on African-American land retention and African-American use and empowerment and wealth generation. Uh, the idea that we could collectively come together, not only as far as a reference point for each other, which, which has served us all well, uh, but also to have a voice. Uh, and when we go to whether it be Washington, D.C., and we're, we're advocating on behalf of the Farm Bill or, or some, of the, some of the programs, the relending program, um, that kind of unified voice amongst all these particular uh, uh, organizations lends a lot more weight than you know us going by ourselves or someone else going by themselves. And it also allows us to approach funders as well. Uh, we're coming there with with uh, with, uh, with landowners who who we can demonstrate have benefited from our uh, from our work. Uh, the 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 and, and it's a wide swath of organizations. There's some with that are a little bigger capacity like we are and there are some that are a little smaller but they all bring value and they all bring a certain perspective that we don't each have, each have individually um the idea of, of the the sustainable forestry land retention network was to uh give our landowners a voice the folks we serve the folks that we provide the services to and, and it's definitely served that purpose uh we're currently working with american forestry foundation as a network uh and uh They've they've uh, stepped up with funding for purposes of supporting the network and, and us working together. So that's that's something that's ongoing. And Air's property, as you probably know, has never been more 
vis visible, at least I could say, particularly by way of, of the, re the relending program, as well as it's as uh, the mention in the, in the 2018 farm bill for purposes of uh, acquiring a farm and track number and the Uniform Heirs Property Partition Act by way of uh, Thomas Mitchell and his work in that regard. If you have property um, that you're unsure about, this is a good time to call uh, and how to preserve it. Uh, before I get to, Josh, the steps that people can take, uh, let's go to Angela in Texas. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I am so, so, so excited to hear this segment on your show. We're landowners, and we have just, for the past three years, we've been utilizing the NRCS, the Forestry Commission, just basically to get us up to speed with what all we can do with that land. And I wish that there were crash courses that existed for African-Americans so that they can understand how valuable their land is and the different programs that are out there that they can utilize. Our clear cousins have been using them for the past century. We were not exposed to them, and we're just learning about them within the past couple of decades. So you are thank you so much for this segment. Well, thank, like, I want to thank Don uh, because when he brought it up, I was like, there's a whole center? And their their job is to to educate and work on on behalf yeah. of people. So I didn't even know that this existed. And you're you're so right. And thank you uh, for clarifying and also uh, validating that this is an important top topic. Go ahead, Don. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, um, so much of this is about tuning our ears to alternative voices, particularly those who have the courage to create news and tell stories uh, beyond what we see in the headlines. I got it from Vice News. Vice News at this point is a large organization, a couple billion dollars or whatever. They're corporatized now, but they are still kind of at the vanguard of these people who are talking about different things than CNN and MSNBC and the basics. And uh, they did a really good report. You just type it into YouTube. Uh, I just I just DM Karen the link. Uh, but in YouTube, there's a story called just put in Vice News heirs property or Vice News mm -hmm. black land laws. Remarkable story by a brother named Alzo Slade, who's kind of a renegade journalist uh that really kind of hit me to it about a year and a half ago and i was able to be in touch with josh and jenny and his colleagues at the center for airs property preservation and a few other state organizations and um you know there's a long way to go but there are real opportunities to try to advocate for this issue uh in the farm bill that, that next year new congress new farm bill right and and this is typically where agriculture issues uh are handled and are and are pushed forward from a legislative perspective but you got to just start paying attention to other stuff, right? There's, there's a lot of outlets out there. There's a lot of substantive voices out there that can lead you to people like Josh and Jenny Stevens, the great sister who's the CEO of the South Carolina Center for Air's Property Preservation. There are voices out there that can lead you to people who are doing amazing work like Josh. And we go down rabbit holes for other things. This is uh, mm -hmm. super important. So, Josh, give us kind of a, a step one, two, three for how we can sure. preserve property. Yeah. And um, and I think this is regardless. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a licensed attorney in South Carolina. And we serve South Carolinians. But the thing, the preventative measures that folks can take are going to are going to uh, they're going to be applicable in generally every state. First and foremost, um, uh, have a will. It's shocking how many folks. Um, it, it's interesting. I've been with the center for 13 years. And, and handle a lot of cases before moving to COO and uh, surprising the number of folks, including my own parents, who think if you have a will created, 
that it's almost while well, the clock starts ticking. Now that I have a will, I'm, I'm on my way out. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and the difference between having a will there are two, it's twofold. One, the idea that if you have a will, when you pass away, whoever you've named as the executor knows that you have to do something with that piece of paper, which is vital, right. To create that record. Plus, secondly, you get to decide what happens to your land. If I die without a will, and I've inherited family land and I'm married and I have a son. Generally, most people want that property, the inherited property, not the marital home, but that that family land to go to their child. If I die without a will, my wife's going to inherit half in South Carolina. And my son's going to inherit the other half. My wife gets remarried. She dies. That second husband's going to inherit an interest and they what? become a tenant in common with me and the rest of my heirs. Now that won't happen because I have a will, <laughs> but, but, it, but if you have a will, you can say, well, the family land's going to the son, right? Uh, and it's something as simple as that. And you can extrapolate that over three generations. And you can imagine how many non-blood people who have inherited. And that always makes the dynamic much rough, rougher to resolve as far as agreement, but having a will number two, um, staying, staying aware of the predatory aspect if you have heirs property, right? Um, very often what we see is folks that are heirs that are living in other states will receive a letter from a developer and, and they want to buy your piece or your part of the land. They want to buy your piece. Well, and in the tenancy in common heirs property form of ownership, nobody owns a piece. They own a fractional interest in the undivided whole. So if I'm an heir and somebody contacts me and very often people get contacted and they're in a they're in a moment of need right they've never been there they've never set foot in the state where the property is and someone offers them a couple of thousand dollars for that interest and, and with, with the intent to have a deed recorded that puts them into that tenancy and common group and once they become a new heir so to speak they're part of that family now as far as ownership they can they have the same rights which include suing the other co-tenants for a forced partition sale um, so if you have heirs property, never sign anything that someone sends you without having an attorney look at it. And, and I'll say this as well, never take for granted what's put in front of you, no matter who puts it in front of you. Uh, and that includes family members sometimes, right? I've had clients who, um, thought they were signing a, 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 a waiver to allow someone to put a manufactured home on the property, a grandmother and a great grandson actually had her sign the last page of a deed and recorded the deed. Mm. So she transferred her entire interest to him. Wow. Uh, so um, just be aware of what you're signing. And, and, uh, and if you can find, if you can find a, um, if you can find an attorney you trust, because that's a huge component to this. We spent a lot of years building the trust in the communities we serve spent a lot of time on Saturdays at churches, doing educational seminars, doing free wills clinics. So people got to know us and, and know that they can trust us. That's why all of our attorneys are in-house. We don't have pro bono attorneys. We don't have volunteer attorneys. All of our attorneys get paid by the center and they, their one priority and their one, their one uh, goal is to serve the clients that we have come through the door. Um, you've got to have, you've got to have their, there's no way to resolve this issue. And ultimately there's no way to prevent it if you're not in it without a trusted legal affordable resource. Cause you've got to have estate planning, succession planning. And if you're in an heirs property situation or you're in a situation where a state administration needs to happen to create that record. So you don't get to the point of that sort of unclean title or unclear title. 
you've got to have you've got to have some resources in regards to that. And a lot of states do have uh, legal aid. Uh, I don't know of any other state other than Georgia that has what we have, and that's e exclusivity in regards to serving heirs, property owners, and estate administration. But most of them do have a, do have a legal aid organization if it's a, if it's a, if it's a, a resource thing. Yep. So. All right, we have a very uh, limited amount of time, so let's try to get as many calls in and pit the answers. Aaron in D Dallas, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi, you're on. Hey, hello, how are you doing, Karen? Um, I was wondering, um, I need help with, I'm actually staying in the house that my mother owns and I make the payments. I was wondering how can I get the deed of the house without her owning the house? We, the house is still being paid for. You mean it's a mortgage? Yes, ma'am. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you get a um, deed even if you have a mortgage, correct? Yeah, it's going to be subject and we're getting into Texas law, but so I got to be careful, but, uh, but, um, but generally speaking, I can answer that question to the benefit of what it would be in South Carolina. Just because there's a mortgage on a piece of property doesn't mean she can't convey it to you. The problem is, is that a conveyance can often trigger the acceleration clause in a mortgage. Which now, whether they pay it off in or full, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so just have, save up that. the money, Aaron, on <laughs> paying it off in full <laughs> so that you could have the ownership outright. Um, but she and should find... have a will that leaves it to him just right. in case that don't happen. Yeah have a will and, and the difference between a will and a trust which is better a, a will well a will is basically uh, a directive that is made during the life of someone that only becomes a legal document once they pass away and the, and it serves as a basically instructions to the probate court and the executor to, to to the testator's wishes a trust is something that can be created during a lifetime and the property can go into a trust which is which has a trust agreement and a beneficiary and a trustee and and, and uh, the rules are laid out on how that property is managed and what the what that looks like. But it's owned by the trust at that point. It's not owned by an individual. Is that better for people so they don't feel like doing a will that they'll die next week? It, it depends. It depends on the circumstances. It's not a fix all. It is extremely dependent on what somebody wants. And you do lose some freedoms associated with independent ownership until you pass away. But there are other mechanisms that you can accomplish, particularly if you're not dealing with a mortgage, such as retaining a life estate, signing a deed that gives a remainderment to, in that case, if there was no mortgage, she could transfer the property to him and retain a life estate. So as, soon, as long as she's alive, she owns an ownership interest. When she passes away, that interest dissipates. It doesn't have to go through the estate because it disappears upon her passing. Well, the, all of those require you having a trusted legal person. Uh, Josh, thank you for coming through. And maybe you'll come back and let's continue this conversation because I think it's important, super important. And I love what you're doing uh, in educating folk uh, at the Heirs uh, Property uh, Preservation Society. Thank you for being here today.